This podcast is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. It not only educates its students about today's communication industry, but it produces innovative leaders. For more information, go to ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today, we're talking about adult literacy efforts in this country with three people who know the topic well. Julie Barnhart Francis is the director of the Stevens Literacy Center and the new Aspire program at Ohio University. Amy Gouda is a teacher in adult literacy programs, and Amanda Aliff is a graduate of a literacy program who went on to get her four-year college degree in social work. Julie, talk about the new Aspire program that uh, has come to Ohio University and what that means to education overall. Sure. Well, we are patent proud. We are so happy at the Patent College of Education to have the opportunity to work with our local community organizations, with uh, Tri-County Career Center, with our community colleges and our county libraries to provide a network of services for adults. Aspire is all about learn more, earn more, and we know that education is the key. So we are thrilled to be able to provide programming with our Athens County Job and Family Services to have a a seamless array of opportunities for our adults. what What does that mean exactly? Well, we are here to provide services so that adults that may wish to get their GED can come for free educational services. They'll be able to get all of the training that they need, all the education that they need to complete their GED. We also talk a lot about how we can do training and education so that they can have different career pathways so that they may make choices to go and enter into a community college or a career center for skills training or enter into post-secondary like Ohio University. We're really proud that we can say that we have a program that's GED to PhD so that no matter what's next for that adult, we're able to provide those services, we're able to make them individualized, we're able to think about a contextualized curriculum for that adult, we're able to work with local businesses and manufacturers to maybe do some workplace literacy and numeracy development. It really is a coordinated effort in our community so that we can provide those services. The best part is, too, that because they're free and because our community can come together, we really think that that's going to have an impact not only on that individual, but also on their family so that they can begin to learn family-sustaining wages, but also for those businesses so that they are able to to create a workforce within their companies so that those individuals can move around into different jobs and there can be a flow of new adults coming in all that all the time. So this program, uh, as I understand it, is for people 18 and older mm-hmm. with less than a high school degree. 
It could be, yes, sir. Is that a requirement? What if they have a degree, but they still need additional skills? Do they qualify for the program? They absolutely do. And those services are free as well. So the best thing that they can do in our community is give us a call at the Stevens Literacy Center or at the Hawking County or Athens County Ohio Means job sites. And they can request a time that they can have either a phone interview or come in and meet face-to-face with one of our professionals, one of our Aspire instructors. And they will be able to offer to them a menu of classes that they could take, training that they could take, so that everything is individualized. They can create their own career pathway. If they have a high school equivalency or if they just wish to take additional training, that's the place to start. So, Julie, let's talk about adult literacy uh, generally. Is it strictly whether someone can read or not, or is has the term literacy been expanded? Well, literacy is a, a very broad word. When we're thinking about aspire, we're thinking about literacy, numeracy, and problem-solving skills. Every adult is capable to go wherever they want to go. So wherever they come in, we will often do some um, entrance sort of locator assessments to help them think about where they are and then help them to create uh, an individualized curriculum for them so that they can reach higher levels of proficiency. But depending on the context with which they're moving, a career, uh, post-secondary, skills and trades, those literacy definitions would be different. And that's one of the reasons, again, that Aspire is a wonderful program, because that adult can determine what they aspire to do, and then we can individualize the program for them. When a person comes to you, they go through this basic testing. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have a specific purpose in mind? Uh, is it to get a GED? Is it to apply for a particular job? What prompts an individual to come to you? Mm, I think that they have many reasons. It may be that they want to get a high school equivalency. We have wonderful success stories about adults that determine at different stages in their life that that's important for them. So no matter what age they are, they can walk through that door and say, I I think I'd like to get my high school equivalency. But then there can also be that adult that says, I would really like to get more training so I can advance in my workplace. How can you help me with that? Perhaps it is a critical skill in literacy and numeracy. Perhaps it's just some soft skills. But whatever it is, the place to go would either be the Stevens Literacy Center or Ohio Means Jobs. Those But if you don't live in Ohio. If you don't live in Ohio. There are these equivalents across the country? Across the country. We have a hundred, no, we have 1.5 million adults that are in Aspire programs across the United States. We recognize that community colleges, uh, specific Aspire programs that may be in libraries, community colleges, universities, they are all over the country. 
you can go online and just look up adult educational programs and find a program that's local to you. And when a person comes to a program, mm -hmm. uh, what anxieties do they have in addressing a need that's not been addressed in the past? Mm -hmm. The power of our Aspire professionals would be across the nation, they have had the training to have those conversations with adults to identify what support services are available to help with adults that might identify with some barriers to getting adult education. There are many programs that we coordinate with, not just in our region, but across the country, that are there to provide those additional services, whether it be mental health services, childcare services, transportation. It's just taking that first step for that adult to begin to ask those questions and then get that coordinated uh, uh, support services to help them to go whichever direction they want to go. I'm sure there are people listening out there who are <clears throat> listening with a, a critical ear. Mm -hmm. And some of them may be saying, you know, we wouldn't need this if public education was better. This is the only reason we need these extra programs is that somehow public education's failed us. Hmm. How, how would you respond to that person? Well, if we look at how quickly our, our workforce is changing, how the jobs are changing at a very, very rapid rate, Public education is excellent. Aspire and other post-secondary or training programs offer an opportunity to really help that individual get to where they want to be. So I think it's that rapid change that uh, we see Aspire coming in to help those adults that may, for whatever reason, have fallen between the cracks, help them get back up and go wherever they would like to go as far as a career. You work in, and teach in an area that is, uh, by any standard, economically mm -hmm. deprived, an area where uh, jobs have left the area, uh, especially from extractive industries, uh, an area where people have limited job opportunities and yet they're geographically bound. Mm -hmm. They have family here, they have roots here. They can't just pick up and, and leave. Are those the kind of people that you're working with? No. Okay. <laughs> Who? Not necessarily. Um, we do have a lot of adults that enter into our program that may qualify, but we also have adults that aren't taking a, a linear approach to their lifelong learning. They may what, have what do you shifts. Mean by that? Well, they have shifts in their interest levels. 
Um, they may decide to have career changes as they advance in their years. So Aspire is a way to help them think about what are the different avenues that you want to take. Do you want to try out a different program at a community college? Do you want to get a master's at a four-year institution? Those are all uh, things that adults can aspire to do if they wish to do that. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, an adult that is finding that they have lots of barriers. Amy, you teach in in the program. Um, Talk to me, try to paint a picture of the typical student that you teach. Well, so when you look at the typical student that we have, the variety there kind of isn't a typical student. I'm getting students ranging. Sometimes I'll have a a minor child that has been released from the school. So sometimes I do have a 16-year-old. And my oldest student has been 82. So the variety for, yeah, exactly. Very unique reasoning. I really have to say there can be some trends, but in most cases everyone has their own unique story um, of why they want to um, enhance their education um, from where they are coming from. High school equivalency is definitely a big piece of it. A lot of times um, people just had things that interrupted them. Um, from acquiring a certain academic goal. I had a student once that um, had been raised in foster care. So she had changed foster homes 27 times. Um, had wow. come to the program and she had a newborn baby that was about two months old and she didn't have child care. Well, in Aspire, we are kind of smaller programs, especially here in Southern Ohio. Um, some of the more urban areas have bigger programs and in other states and big metro areas you they're, they're more like a college environment you know this the class arrangement class arrangement here in, in southern ohio is smaller groups so she came in and didn't have child care and i said you know you can take the tape test to see where you're sitting if if you want to take it with your child it's fine with me i have to still proctor at the same but i can do it with you independently she took the tape test. She looked tape re- test. A, a, a tape is a general um, assessment of okay. academic ability. It, it gives us a lot of for um, placement. It purposes. is it's placement okay. and to, to kind of help direct to okay. give information, exchange information with the student. Right. Um, prior to taking like a, a more formal assessment, so she took the tape test with her two month old child. And she proceeded then after that to get her GED over about a six-month period, her high school equivalency, and went on to a college here in the state of Ohio and now is here in Athens and is a partner. She has a CPA, was on dean's list at a major university the whole time. So there would be an example of someone that you would look at that definitely didn't follow a linear path, but it was really because of the changing schools 27 times really kind of knocked her out of their traditional path. Um, a lot of my students in the past, my older students here, there were a lot of manufacturing jobs. So they were able to gain very um, gainful employment without a lot of education. So they did go that pathway. So um, they returned and a lot of times, I've been doing it for several years. So I'd, I was involved in instructing during the Great Recession. So here in our area, we had to go through a lot of um, economic changes as far as employment. Right. So a lot of people had to come in and retool. They had to come in and say, you know, I have great work skills. I, I can do these 
that I've been trained on my job over the years and have succeeded at that, but I don't have my high school equivalency. So they're coming off of family sustaining wages, but because of the changes in our you know types of jobs here, they had to come and retool. So they came and get their GD. Um, we have um, so you know that kind of is a a couple examples to show the, the spectrum that there is no like one type of student. There's a lot of variety. We'll be back after this message. The Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University is comprised of five schools, each offering a variety of majors and programs for students who want to pursue communication-related careers. From the highly technical information and telecommunication systems to the theoretical communication studies and everything in between, programs in the college offer students both the fundamentals of communication practice and the tenacity and skills to further advance the field. In addition, the college is home to four centers and institutes that enable students to gain hands-on experience and learn new skills. You can learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. I would assume, and perhaps I'm assuming wrongly, so correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, every student you see has had some disruption in their past learning procession or learning curve. Progression is the word I'm looking for. Some of them uh, totally out of their control. Some of them, I assume, uh, had disruption uh, because they didn't like school. They didn't like the way they were being taught. Uh, They had some attitude issues. When you get a student now in the Aspire program, how do you get over those past ingrained barriers to, to get them to embrace learning as a positive thing? Well, I very much like that question because I do encounter that very frequently where they're kind of coming and really wanting to communicate to me as their instructor something that was the, the barrier, that wall that where things stopped. And they want to tell me about it, and I'm very happy to listen to it because I do think it's part of them um, then integrating positive experiences, merging with that where they don't necessarily have a positive experience where they stopped. So that's their starting spot. Um, The variety of those issues are just extreme from, like, traumatic events to um, uh, maybe inner... poverty, you know, for generations, so like um, some issues with maybe it not being valued, but they want to explore it, but don't know how, so the first generation, yes, education, yes. Um, So uh, the way that I handle it is I always listen to that, and I always um, remind them that that's kind of a typical thing, the human response that most humans have that it's not unique to them, it's part of the human condition. So they shouldn't feel any shame about that, they shouldn't feel that that's a barrier. And when you think about it, for a lot of us, I'll admit myself that when I'm learning, I, I feel out of my comfort zone. You know, a lot of the same things they're expressing 
when they're learning something new. Yeah, algebra with me. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Totally you know, out of my comfort zone. Algebra is one of my favorite subjects to teach because it's one of the most anxiety-producing. <laughs> and I love to switch. That's one of my favorite things in instructing is trying to switch that out to become uh, more of a fun thing because a lot of education, for some reason, has gotten the tag of that it's not supposed to be fun. And to me, learning is fun. Lifelong learning is, is a, one of the most beautiful things. So I like to kind of create an environment where that can occur. I know that you teach beyond what is um, normally, I think, perceived as regular academics. It's more than uh, reading, writing, arithmetic. You, you do problem solving, uh, ways to analyze issues, recognize issues, analyze them, and provide solutions. Uh, without getting into the weeds on that, how do you go about doing that? Wouldn't that be different for each person? It really is, and that is kind of part of the fun part of the job for me is because you really have to be creative because you are constantly um, kind of going back and forth with um, an exchange of emotions, information, retention of new material, you know, um, and then also with just the changes in education, we all know education has gotten much more rigorous. So 30 years ago, you know, most people could master like let's say what would be in a high school equivalence curriculum whereas now the rigor is it's different so if you look at a, a current GED or high school equivalency test even in the whole United States you know that are offered in all 50 states the rigor is very aggressive so you do have to teach those critical reasoning skills and all of that and I have a kind of a funny story from yesterday I was working with a student that is studying for um, high school equivalency. So she was taking a, a science practice test. And she, she during the test, which it's, it's not the, f the formal test, sure. it's a practice test. Right. So she's like, Amy, there's some words on here I don't know. So I said, oh, well, you write them down and we'll discuss it after your testing because I want to get her used to that, you know, she has to pick the best, you know, that she can during the test, and then, you know, we can look at that later. So she wrote down the words, and afterwards she handed me a paper towel that she'd written the words on, and they were polypeptide, ubiquium, and spinococcobellic ataxia. And wow. she said, what do they mean? <laughs> okay, went, so I don't they, know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my answer was close to that. Uh, I looked at her and I said, well, I said, you're here because you're becoming a lifelong learner and I am a lifelong learner and we're going to be learning these words together. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. So that's an example of just, you, I try to make it fun in the classroom because we're humans and learning is fun, but there's a fear factor to it with the anxiety of showing up that first time and not knowing and all those things we carry when we try something new. But the beauty is if you're around other people that do that, the bond that's formed, the human um, kind of experience in that is very neat for them and m myself as well. Last question mm -hmm. for you, and that is, you know, I, I'm older than all of you, and so when I went to school, there was a very clear delineation. Teacher, and teacher is up here as a 
authority figure and student down here and you followed what the teacher said or there were consequences. It sounds like with adults and what you're doing that it's learning through a partnership as opposed to a, a traditional or old school teacher mentality. Is that correct? I feel that that's a very way very very accurate way to describe the relationship especially working with an adult student as a partnership because all those standing in line skills, you know, all those things they have to learn in conjunction with academics in K through 12 are taken care of. So you're you're dealing with an adult that wants to gain some academic skills. So it is very much a partnership. I know my teaching style, I actually don't even most of the time t call myself a teacher. I call myself a facilitator of learning. I'm just provi providing um, the support system and the materials for someone to accomplish their specific goal because it's different from each person. So in the classroom, there might be 10 people and they're all on different you know, life pathways. Let's talk to you, Amanda, and uh, let me start where you are now. What, what do you do now? Well, now, my current position um, here in Athens, Athens, Ohio, I am a mental health uh, community support specialist is what we call them. Um, I specialize uh, for uh, Hopewell Health Centers here, and I work with the reentry field um, that that is clients coming out of incarceration um, that have some mental health issues. And then I also work at our local regional jail with clients that have mental health issues um, and meeting all their mental health needs while they're incarcerated and when they come out. So assessment and and providing at the same yes, time. Yes, assessments and you know uh, sometimes we get clients that are new that we are not affiliated with and they need that linkage to treatment um, and then following them outside into the community and helping them um, remain with treatment there as well. That's that's a hugely <clears throat> difficult job. It, uh, it, it really <laughs> is <laughs> because. You're dealing with people who have already uh, run afoul of the law and right. are also encumbered, as you said, by mental health issues. And to try to get them an appropriate reentry. Right. And so you break that cycle is a huge responsibility. Oh, it absolutely is. And um, it's a great, a great feeling. Um, to be able to help people in the community as well and be able to help them stay out of prison, stay out of our jails. Um, so many of them are incarcerated because of their mental health issues, and, and it stems from that. And oftentimes when I see them, they are not in the best of state, and they are unmedicated. Um, so it's very important, too, you know, because we, we are getting them stable before they come into the community, and that affects everybody. And you see people at their worst. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And have to look beyond that to their potential, right? It is very hard. You know, you stay objective, and you motivate, and, um, you know, and just try to keep up and try to be there for support and linkage. Are you from this region? I am. I am. I am from Hawking County. So tell us your story. Uh, you're a, a one of the stars of this program. So tell us, uh, you, just tell us your story. 
Okay. Um, well, like I said, I grew up in Hawking County, um, a very povertyish area. Right. Uh, so, you know, had a very great family, um, but very povertyish. And I was a typical teenager, went to high school, didn't do very well. Um, I really wasn't a great, like, great with math, algebra. That's horrible. <laughs> I agree. Um, caused me very many breakdowns. <laughs> right. And uh, so I dropped out. I think I was probably about 16 when I dropped out of high school and just kind of gave up. Um, went into the work field. And I was doing, I was doing fine managing that. Um, at that time, I had two young children. And so I worked at some factories, worked at um, some local gas stations, things like that. Um, and then later on in life, in my mid-20s, I would say, I realized that I really wanted to experience graduating. I had never gotten my high school diploma and never got to walk in a ceremony, anything like that. Um, so a couple different times, I, I came to the, at that time, it was called the ABLE Center in uh, Logan, Ohio, Hawking County. Um, the first time I came, I think I had to go back to work and Kind of, you know, I got some stuff from it, but didn't finish it. Um, the second time I came, I was a lot more motivated, and I had realized that I, I wanted to go to college. Um, <clears throat> so I had already signed up for college before I had gotten my GED. Before you got your GED? Yes. That's confidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was uh, really not expecting to pass it the first time around, so I had kind of planned that out with my ABLE instructors. Um, and... Uh, I sat down for a good like two to three weeks and studied um, with these wonderful people that really, they centered it to not the traditional way of learning, but what worked for me. And uh, so I took it the first time and passed it and started college that fall and uh, got my associate's degree from Hawking. And I went on, I ended up doing very well. Um, so I got on the dean's list and scholars list, and right. I wasn't really going to continue until I had seen that I was pretty good at it. Right. Um, and I went on to get my bachelor's and did a couple different jobs in the community and di in different fields of the social services and criminal justice aspect, and uh, am here today. So let's go back and let me let me ask a couple of uh, detail questions. When you were about to quit school, <laughs> was it because you felt that you just couldn't do it? You'd never succeed. Uh, something was standing in your way. You had an attitude problem. What? what mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that decision. Well, I remember at, at that time. It was kind of felt like I I wasn't getting the math, you know. I wasn't doing right. really good with the assignments and other courses, and I just kind of felt hopeless, like I would never catch up. And, like, it, you know, and there was nobody there. I felt as though there was nobody there to help me, um, which we didn't really have that individualized help that sort I was Sort of felt left behind as yes. all your contemporaries yes. kept going forward. Right? Yes, exactly. And so there was nobody there, like at the ABLE program, that it, you know, now the Aspire program, for somebody to help me one-on-one. -on -one. They weren't able to give that to me. Um, and when I found this program, they were. So then you went into the workforce and, and had some jobs, but also had a, a young family, difficult 
no matter what. Yes. <laughs> juggling children and, and work. Uh, at that point, did you feel boxed in? Did you think, well, this is going to be my life for the next 60 years? Uh, uh, talk about your feelings at that point. At that point, I would say that that is definitely how I felt. I felt like, you know, um, I didn't feel like I was really doing I, I knew I was working and providing for my family, which was a good thing. Um, but I didn't really feel like I was doing anything in the areas that I wanted to see change. Nothing of value. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I didn't really feel, I didn't feel like, I felt that I could make a difference somewhere, somewhere in life. And I thought, you know, I really would like to see things change for the better in, in the communities. And, you know, I just had some ideas that I knew I wanted people to hear as well. But I wasn't in a position for anybody to hear me out and, and Nobody consider Nobody pay attention changes. to you because you were a dropout, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So when you first entered the, the iteration of the program as it was back then, were you fearful? Were you scared? Were, were, talk about how you felt going back while having two small children in a job. Well, I remember I felt very embarrassed, you know, because – in my eyes and my thoughts, I, I thought, well, I should have already done this. I should have already been done. Um, overwhelmed would be another thing. And I would say a lot of anxiety as well. Um, and I remember one of the things that calmed that for me um, and helped me be motivated, I, I turned all those feelings into motivation. Um, I remember my instructor, Al, and he had told me one day, that he believed I could do this. And I accredit that to everything I have done th thus far, you know, because all I really needed was somebody tell me that I could do this, and they believed in me. And then I did. Yeah, to tell you that you, you could do it as opposed to saying, you can't do this, you're failing at this. Right, you're right. And that provided all the motivation that I ever needed. And it sounds like when you got your associate's degree, you gave that motivation to yourself. You said, wow, I've done this and I've done it really well. I need to go further. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember so that. So he inspired in that, that seed in you. Oh, he did. He did. And I accredit that one statement to everything that I was able to do since and all the people that I was able to help in turn. Why did you choose to go into the mental health <clears throat> field? You said you had something to give back to the community. Well, I found myself in the mental health field, and I, I believe that, that that was meant to be. I know you, know? you do social work generally, but yeah. it's in the mental health field. What I think is most important about this field and how I can contribute the most in this field is because it's eclectic. There's so many different things going on. And so we're able, you know, I'm able to help people with their basic needs while also helping them with their major psychiatric needs, you know, and their criminal justice history and participation. And, you know, so it's like there's all sorts of different things. And in the mental health field, we get to really work on all of those. When you talk to a client that you're working with now, does it help to have traveled the road that you've traveled 
do do you see things maybe others wouldn't you you yeah. recognize issues that maybe other people wouldn't recognize absolutely i think um one of the key things that helps me is i'm able to tell my story to my clients as well and um you know and even though i may not be in their exact predicament or have been there in the exact things they have gone through they're able to see that you know that i i have struggled and i've lived off of that you know $300 check a month or you know i've been a food stamp recipient you mm-hmm. know and i have put in the work and effort and and it worked you know and it's just not all talk you know um so i think that does help and i've i've used that i've told a lot of clients that to help provide motivation for them as well so if somebody out there is listening and they're hearing your very inspiring story what advice would you give them if they're thinking, oh, you know, my life's sort of in a rut and um, this is going to be it forever? And My best advice that I would give somebody is that that's not your forever. You know, you are perfectly if – if I'm able to do this um, and I had just completed my bachelor's degree probably two years ago, if I'm able to do this – with working full-time and now having four four teenagers (laughs) and able to give back to my community and volunteer and work on you know homelessness and work on uh you know the aspire program and do all these things if i can do that anybody can do it and really all you need is somebody to tell you you know you can do this and i got your back Four teenagers, you need somebody to have your back. I know, I know. It's a job. It's one of my hardest jobs I've had thus far. (laughs) Julie, circling back to you to wrap this up, uh, that must make you feel amazingly good to hear a story like that. Yes. Amanda is an inspiration, and there are so many other adults in our community that have success stories that we would love to continue to share. And we've talked a lot about how Aspire is an initiative for workforce education, but you can see the human side of it. You can see how it changed lives. It changed the life of an individual and their family. And you can see through Amanda's work with her community how she always gives back. So we're just really honored to be able to work with all of our community agencies to provide education and life-changing opportunities for adults in our community. Well, Julie, Amy, Amanda, thank all of you for coming in and talking with us about this program. And Amy, I may get in touch with you about my algebra. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're very welcome. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Today, we've been talking with Administrator Julie Barnhart-Francis, teacher Amy Gouda, and former student Amanda Aliff about adult literacy programs in this country. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available at the NPR Podcast Directory. Also, WOUB has launched a brand new podcast called Lifespan. 
On Lifespan, you'll hear stories about encounters with the healthcare system. Each show contains stories bound by a common theme, a person's personal journey through a particular type of medical trauma. Subscribe to this new podcast. It's free. It's at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or at the NPR Podcast Directory.